Texas Tech avoids the season sweep against Kansas State and finishes with their first ever undefeated home season at United Supermarkets Arena. But it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows. We've got to talk about what we saw from Texas Tech against Kansas State coming up in today's Locked on Texas Tech. On Texas Tech, your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Texas Tech, a member of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. If you have not subscribed to our channel, I highly suggest that you do so now. I'm Ryan Mainville. I cover Texas Tech for the Dallas Morning News. I'm joined by Emery Lida, a longtime Texas Tech analyst, writer, and podcaster. Um, It is Monday night for us as we record um, the Texas Tech-Kansas State game ended just a few minutes ago, um, so this game is very fresh on our minds, and I know that both of us have a number of takeaways, both good and bad, that we think need addressing coming up on today's episode, which is brought to you by Run Your Pool. March Madness is here, and Run Your Pool has a better way to create your bracket. RunYourPool.com, the premier sports pool hosting service. Emory, man, that was... a uh... That was quite a ride of a basketball game. Yeah, I mean, to go from down nine to up eight in the first half at the end of the half, then to go on in the second half, immediately give up the lead, and basically just go in a dogfight against a K-State team that's basically fighting for their tournament lives. Not ideal. Certainly not good for the heart rate, not good for some of the older folks in the crowd. Um, But at the end of the day, I mean, a win's a win, but... That was not one of the prettier games Tech has faced all year. I mean, smallest margin of victory you've had all season at home. You managed to finish off 18-0 in home games, but certainly would have liked to have made it a little bit more pretty. Um, Obviously, the first half offensively, you ended up with 41 points in the first half. Second half, just things sort of ground to a halt, which is becoming a little bit of a worrisome trend for Tech. And, I mean, this was a 50-50 game down the stretch, and I know... Everything looked good at the end. You ended up with a five-point win, and you can go on to the Oklahoma State game, but there is a lot to look at from this one. I think it starts offensively. I think that's where, again, we saw some of the meltdowns, but also defensively as well. There's been kind of a worrisome trend with the way teams have been able to pick apart Tech's personnel, and I think especially without Daniel Baccio and somewhat without Kevin McCuller as well, you're seeing both of those guys and sort of what Tech has had to do with the rotations with those two out. And it's sort of, it's compromised them. And I think that's pretty clear to see. And this tonight's game was, it was good to get the win, but there was a lot that was pretty sketchy throughout the game. So here's the thing. I really wish I was one of those people that, that could be like a win's a win. And like you rinse off some of the ugliness and everything will be just fine. Like in the next contest, but there's just, there's a lot. There's a lot happening that that's quite a bit worrisome to me right now. Um, but I want to do I want to do justice to those people that do like to look at the positives. And I know that um, my 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 own personal bend is that I tend to kind of focus on the negative. So I think it would be a good place for us to start to kind of refresh our minds, go to a happy place, and look at some of the positives in this game. Um, I think 
oh man, <laughs> got to try try my hardest here. Um, rebounding was decent for most of the game. You let a couple of uh, offensive rebounds go to Kansas State there that you shouldn't have, but overall you were plus eleven on the glass. Um, you dominated the paint, which has kind of become your your staple of of your offense. You you uh you outscored them thirty six to ten there. Thought that was big. Um, your bench was really good tonight. Um, you, you blocked shots pretty well, six to one over K state. Um, those are, those are really the things that, that stick out to me, made your free throws, especially down the stretch. But, uh, yeah, those are, those are things that I think that are, are wins for Texas tech, especially the free throws, those continuing to be in an upward trend, I think is big, but, uh, that's what I saw that I liked tonight. I think the ball movement in the first half was genuinely really good, especially once things got settled down and Tech fell down by nine. I feel like they really made an emphasis on rotating the ball and driving to the lane. And we saw that was something that plagued them against TCU. And spoiler alert, it kind of reverted back to being an issue in the second half. But certainly we saw nice crisp passes. And I also think that one of the things that goes along with that is Guys like Davion Warren and Adonis Arms weren't really settling for kind of two dribbles in a pass. So obviously, Tech's run a lot of weave action. I think teams are starting to kind of figure that out on tape, and we see more aggressive sort of stunts towards avoiding that. But certainly, I mean, being able to get to the rim well is something that the guards did tonight. And I mean, for me, that's one of the few things that I can say was maybe a difference from this in the TCU game. Certainly. There were times in the second half of the TCU game where the guards just seemed to settle and couldn't really get into flow. But as a whole, I mean, that's about where it ends because in the second half, what a lot of the good that the offense did kind of reverted back to the post-up, post-centric offense that just was very clunky. And then defensively, I mean, you allowed K-State to hit 10 threes. And while Nigel Pack and Mike McGrill and company are both are all really good shooters, especially Nigel Pack, which is another discussion for another day. But those guys, you shouldn't be allowing them to hit 40%, especially when you have the as much talent on the roster defensively as what Tech has. I mean, Davion Moore and Malik Wilson, TJ Shannon, Clarence Adonley, those are four of the best defenders in the conference, and you have them all on one team. So allowing teams to shoot 40% from three just shouldn't happen. And I think that there's a lot that goes into that from a personnel standpoint. I feel like running KJ Allen out there, you could really see that K-State, similar to what Baylor did a lot last year when Marcus Santos-Silva was in the lineup, just kind of hunted out KJ and and think they were maybe a little bit slow to react on sort of pulling him and getting Bryson Williams back in. But that's the biggest thing for me is you had a couple of positives offensively and then obviously defensively, interior defense continues to be a strength, but just a lot of uh, chaoticness in this game. The... uh... The K.J. Allen substitutions in this game and um, what really started in the TCU game have been really interesting. And I've got to say, conclusively, taking an an overarching look at it, I've liked what I've seen from K.J. Allen in the past two games. I think he's an aggressive offensive rebounder. I think that he bangs around down low. I think that he's good at getting touches in the post and getting points there. But... uh he's becoming a liability defensively and uh Kansas state had a very clear grasp on that. And the decision to keep him on the floor when he was just getting put in a blender with a giant target on his back near that four minute mark of the second half 
was a really, really interesting decision um, from from the bench in this one. I just, I, I understand. I get it. Bryson Williams needs a breather. The dude can't play all 40. Um, but to not put Marcus Santos Silva in there, I think they did at one point, and he got a quick foul, um, and then they subbed him right back out, which, again, is kind of one that makes me scratch my head. But, uh, man, that is a... That is a decision that I, I I think Texas Tech should be letting out a huge sigh of relief that did not cost them more than it did. I'm going to be completely honest. I think offensively, K.J. Allen has been a net positive with his offensive rebounding force, and he's got good touch within the paint. But see, those are things that we knew coming in. And what's kept him off the court at Tech to this point is just two things. A, the lateral mm-hmm. quickness is... Still not there yet. I think that it's something that maybe with another offseason worth of conditioning, he can get to that point. But at this point, he's just kind of a liability on switches against Big 12 guards. And it's tough because I think that's something you see. And if KJ Allen was one of like two or three bigs on the roster, I think I would understand it more. But my thing is, what does he give you that you're really lacking? Because offensively, you've been able to get offensive rebounds with the O'Banner Williams lineup quite a lot. And even Marcus Sinto Silva, that's kind of what he specializes in, in those is those tip-out rebounds. You already have two good post scorers in the rotation. So when he's coming in, he's not really bringing you an extra element offensively, even if that's his strength. And then defensively, those guys are all capable of switching. They might be slight liabilities when you put them on a switch, but all of them are more than capable of switching out. And so for me, it just adds in another sort of complexity. And while it's nice to see KJ get those buckets, I certainly think offensively he's been maybe a little bit more advanced than what I anticipated it just puts you in a situation where whenever he's out there, he's an extreme liability that can be exploited. It's like playing Micah Peavy out on the perimeter when you already had Sinto Silva out there. Same sort of deal. When you have a guy that isn't able to shoot and you have other capable wings on the roster that are better defenders, and that's the strength that he has, it's a net, it's a net loss because teams can just exploit the complete hole in the game that he has. And I think that that's something that, I understand with Bacho out, you want to keep running the two-big lineup, but when teams are exploiting it to the degree that they are with KJ, it just makes it difficult to justify it over and over again. And, like, there's no reason to me as to why you should be in the game for a good four-minute stretch down the stretch in the second half when you've got, A, Bryson Williams, who's playing really well through this stretch, and you've got, B, a team full of wings and guards. And it's not like K-State was going to go big ball on you. They were playing small ball throughout the night. So... Like, from a mismatch standpoint, it didn't really make sense either. So, I don't know. I mean, Mark Adams is the coach. He knows a lot more about basketball than I do. But that one had me scratching my head a bit. It's really the the only time this season that I can remember where Texas Tech's defense just looked completely exploited. And um, when you have the personnel to make sure that that's avoided, it, it can be a little bit questionable to see. But... The defensive end, overall, um, obviously Texas Tech got carved out a bit from the perimeter. But man, we have got to have a conversation about Texas Tech's offense. But first, a quick word from our sponsor. March Madness is only two weeks away. That means you need to start thinking now about where you're going to be running your brackets this year. Are you going for the usual or are you looking for the best? We've done our homework here and we're running brackets with runyourpool.com. Along with standard brackets, Run Your Pool offers game types like Survivor or Pick X. They have options to edit scoring, and they offer more intel to make your picks. All stuff you won't find at ESPN or CBS. Clearly, we believe in Run Your Pool because, like I said, we're running our brackets there ourselves. There's no truer test than that. 
If you want to play against us for a shot at a cash prize, join us at runyourpool.com slash locked on. And while you're there, create your own pool for your friends and family. Enter Pure Madness at checkout for $10 off your custom pool. All the rules and details will be available there. That's runyourpool.com slash locked on for your chance to win a cash prize. We look forward to seeing and beating you there. Thanks again for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Um, Emery, the last time we were doing a recap episode, it was after the TCU loss. We were both a little bit bitter about what had happened on the Texas Tech offensive end. Now we're breaking down a Texas Tech win, and I feel more anxious and more alarmed about what I've seen from the Texas Tech offense in this game than what I did in the last one. What what I've seen in the past two games from Texas Tech in the second half of games has just been a complete a complete no show offensively. It's Bryson Williams or or you're leaving every single possession with no points. Um this game, I think the remedy was Davion Warren going scorched earth. Um and Davion Warren is a great player. And I think that demonstrates exactly what you need to do with your offense is let guys like him play. But the continued reliance on getting the ball into the post when it's not there is, it's just not working. Like that, that's plain and simple. It's not working. Um, Texas Tech is one of 15 from deep in the last two second halves that they've played. They are one of 15. You are not going to win games when you're playing like that. Like that's just plain and simple. That is not an offense that is going to win you games. If you bring that into the tournament, you will be lucky to you'll be lucky to win a game. Like honestly, you will be lucky to win a game. I I get it, man. I really do. At at surface value, I really get it. Bryson Williams is an incredible player. Um the shot making is unlike anything I've seen from a Texas Tech big man since I've been alive. His ability to put the ball in the basket is phenomenal. But when his shot is not there, you've got to go somewhere else. You cannot continually feed the post and hope that it happens. Texas Tech is extremely lucky that this strategy did not cost them this game, especially considering that last possession where they tried to feed the ball down low to Adonis Arms and just completely looked off Davion Warren, who had been on fire that second half. That is, that is a play that I feel like really summarizes where Texas Tech's offense is at in the second half of games and if they don't change something quick they they're going to be they're going to be a a lot shorter lived in the tournament than than they could be honestly that's the honest truth right now yeah i mean this is a problem that has showed up periodically throughout the year we've seen games like Gonzaga games like the TCU game games like Oklahoma where tech has sort of had an insistence on relying on the post and every single time it just does not work consistently like Bryson Williams is an incredible player, right? Like he is one of the best post finishers you're going to find in the big 12 and in the nation. But when teams are daring you to throw the ball into the post and give him that opportunity, the alarm should be ringing because teams want them to do that. It's not something where tech is somehow managing to just exploit that matchup every single time, but rather teams are willing to give that matchup for them to exploit because the fact is you're playing against teams that are smaller than you most of the time, teams that have big 12 athletes out there that are rotating extremely fast. And when they get in mismatches, a lot of times they can just front the post or they can 
disrupt the entry pass. And so you have congestion in the lane. You have an inability to really pass out of that double. I think we've seen that. That Well, in theory, it might be nice to pass it down low and kind of wait for the double to come rotate it. It's not something that I, any of Tech's bigs are particularly great at. And when you have that insistence on the post offense, so many things have to go right. You have to have Bryson Williams finishing well, which, again, we want to talk about luck. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Bryson Williams the last few games is an incredible finisher. I think that's something that's been established throughout the season. But we're at a point now where you can't expect him to go 55, 60% from the two-point line from inside the three-point line every single game. Like at some point, he's bound to have a game where he's not finishing. You want evidence of that? Just look at the four-game stretch from the Providence game to the Gonzaga game where he went like 6 of 28. Like it's bound to happen at some point. It's no indictment against him as a player. And so you have that going on. You have the fact that when you're so reliant on the post offense, you're missing so many opportunities to exploit mismatches on drives. That was one of the things that Davion Warren really took advantage of in this game was to was his ability to just find out mismatches, whether it be against Nigel Pack being smaller than him or whether it was going against the bigs whenever they brought Bradford in. And yet all of that said, there were still so many missed opportunities to do that. And I just think that at the end of the day, it's counterintuitive to think that the kind of avoiding feeding Bryson Williams to the post is going to be the most efficient way to get him efficient offense and help out the team. But I think we're at a point where we can say that this offensive force feeding him. Yeah. It looks great on the surface on his numbers and he's an outstanding player, but it just sort of freezes ball movement. It freezes your ability to kind of be versatile. And I think when teams are wanting you to do that, that should kind of raise an alarm. Here's the thing you mentioned Gonzaga game. Providence game um, I think you could even look at the Kansas game and in Kansas those are good teams those are really good teams you've now just got your smallest margin of victory against a bubble team at best and you just lost a game to a TCU team that is very beatable this is an issue that is like it's not it's not a player issue. Like I, I saw I saw a post after the game tonight where it was like Kevin McCullough and Daniel Bacho being back in the rotation are gonna solve this. And like the answer is a resounding no. It it's it's not that those guys aren't gonna be helpful to what Texas Tech is trying to achieve, but this is not a player issue. No one player in this rotation is making an issue that's making this offense stall out. It's not that guys are throwing bad entry passes. It's not that Bryson Williams doesn't know how to box out. It's a scheme issue, like plain and simple. It is the one indictment I have against what Mark Adams and the staff has done this year. They have pretty much perfected getting a team together over the course of a few months, putting together one of the best defenses in the nation, and putting together an offense that works really, really well. But the past two games are worrisome. And it's not an issue that's going to be solved by any one player either coming back in or going out. It's a scheme issue. And I'm telling you, until the scheme gets adjusted, it's going to keep happening. And it's bound to hurt Texas Tech. And we're at the point right now where you've got one more regular season game. You've got one more chance on the road to figure this out. I'm telling you, man, every single pair of eyes better be locked in on Saturday 
because how Texas Tech adjusts in that game, it, I think is going to be pivotal to what their offense can do in the Big 12 tournament and in the NCAA tournament. I'm going to take it a step further. I think that the outcome of Saturday's game is less important to me than how Tech is able to play offense. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, if Oklahoma State comes out on fire from three or something like that happens, or if you start slow offensively and kind of figure things out as the game progresses, or even if you get better looks and just simply aren't hitting them, like at the end of the day, that's going to happen. I think that you can say without a doubt that the game – the game in Iowa State at Iowa State where they lost with seven players, that was still a resounding win because we felt more optimistic about that team after seeing what they were able to do so shorthanded. Same thing applies here. If Tech is able to come out and run better offense against Oklahoma State, it's going to make me more optimistic just because like we've seen the same sort of formula not work a number of times in a row. And I think it's not, to, like you said, it has nothing to do with personnel. Like, you have talented shot creators on the roster. Sure, there's a lack of a true guard that can do everything, but that's 330 teams in the NCAA that have that same sort of problem. And I just think that there's more to this than just trying to feed it to Bryson Williams, feed it inside. And the other thing for me is just, like, you have guys that have shown to be at least decent catch-and-shoot three-point shooters on the roster, and yet you look at almost every game, and you're hardly getting those, especially in these most recent games. Like, you look at the shot distribution and like Davion Warren took four threes, but three of them were on pull-ups. You look at Adonis Arms, he had a couple that were off of offensive rebounds. Like you're only generating probably seven or eight open threes off of catch and shoot looks per game. And I think that's entirely avoidable. You have the talent to be able to drive and kick. We've seen it at times this year. And when that happens, you're going to open up more driving lanes. And I just think that the offense has some work to do and it, we're running out of time because at the end of the day, when we get to March, you're going to have teams that are going to be honed in on you and have more time to game plan, have more time to get a specific plan in place to stop Bryson Williams and to stop what Tech is trying to do in the post. There was a possession in the second half. I'm going to have to find it on, on tape and, and probably post it on Twitter at some point Tuesday morning. Um, but Davion Warren was wide open on the wing. I think it was arms was driving. Um, and he just got completely looked off. Yeah. That's that's not guys being selfish. That's scheme. That's scheme, it ha- man. It happened again. The the play that Mylik ended up looking for arms where he got fouled by McGraw. Warren was flanking on the wing, and I don't think it would have led to a shot at him. But the play was not the like setup was not designed to go to Warren. It was designed to go to arms in the post. I think that just that's on the coaching. Like that's something that they've for whatever reason, sort of looked at those mismatches where you can get those smaller K-State guards in the post and they seem to be going at them even though K-State's been so quick to rotate and the same thing applies to TCU. All right, man. Let's try and end this on a little bit more of a positive note. First, let's hear a quick word from Bet Online. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance, props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. 
Well, uh, if you happen to get a prop bet of Davion Warren scoring over 20 points in this game, you would be a very happy person because, man, uh, there were some serious Hampton vibes coming from Davion Warren tonight. Finished the game with 23 points. Um, thought he was phenomenal on defense as well. Um, Texas Tech does not win this game without his shot making in the second half. Scored at all three levels. Made threes when Texas Tech needed them. Just a really good player, man. And tonight, I, I felt like he just showed that in March, because TJ's, TJ's clearly not healthy. Um, I, I just got a text saying that he tweaked his back. That's why he didn't play in the second half. So now that's going to be something to continue to monitor. Um, Kevin McClure didn't even play in this one because he's banged up. Right now, I think your number one bucket getter has got to be Davion Warren. And I think in this game, he really showed that he's the guy that can put the pressure on the defense and force those looks for Bryson Williams to open themselves up, or he can go get a look himself. I just really think that he's a guy that that holds the keys to what Texas Tech's offense is truly capable of right now. I think we're at a point where we can say Davion Warren is probably one of the more underrated players in college basketball because you look at what he was able to do as a main scorer at Hampton. I mean, he's a guy that was top 15 nationally in scoring per game last year. Had multiple 30-point games, really did almost everything for them offensively. And sure, he's got his weaknesses as a ball handler. He can be a little bit too careless. He's not the greatest three-point shooter. But at the end of the day, he is a guy that can get buckets. And he can do so really in a variety of ways. He In this game, we saw him hit pull-up threes. We saw him get to the mid-range and shoot it well there. And then we saw him get to the rim. And I think that really, for me, the biggest thing that came out of this game was his ability to drive and kind of feel feel out his role as a ball handler really is something that we haven't seen a lot of him this year. We've seen him, especially in conference play, kind of divert towards more of catch and shoot, sort of that secondary tertiary ball handler in a possession type of role. But Warren was really able to take initiative late in the game. And is he going to go scorch earth in the second half every single game and be able to hit three straight contested mid-range shots? Probably not. But the shot making is there and the talent to be able to get those shots and get them off is something that tech really doesn't have throughout the rest of the roster. TJ when completely healthy might have that, but he's also kind of more of a pure driver or a spot up guy. He's not going to have that ability to kind of contort, get those mid range shots off. It's very kind of Keenan Evans esque, if that makes sense. I'm not comparing Warren to Evans holistically as a player, but that's one of the skills that you can really utilize late in games. And for me, Warren's ability to score in this game and then defensively just be a menace on the ball, like he's been the entire season, basically. That single-handedly won Tech the game because without Davion Warren, I don't know what you would have done offensively because in the second half, it just wasn't working. And Warren was able to get shots. They weren't necessarily high quality, but it made he made them work. And I think that that's something that you can take as a positive from this game. I thought Adonis Arms had a really good night tonight. Um, his shooting numbers don't look great. He was 2 of 9 from the field, um, 0 of 4 from deep. But his playmaking tonight was uh, something to behold. He finished with 6 assists to 1 turnover. Um, some of the passes that he was making were just very, very high-level basketball IQ plays. Being able to see guys that I don't think very many other people could have seen. I think that him being able to adapt and keep himself on the floor even when he wasn't making shots was really, really big. And the playmaking is definitely something that Texas Tech will take right now. Yeah, the only thing I'll say about Arms that is 
really turning into a concerning stat is the fact that we're now through 17 Big 12 games and he's shooting 23% from the three-point line. And when he's really one of your most dependable catch-and-shoot guys on the roster, like I get that he his playmaking has evolved a lot from the season. I think coming into this year, there's no way I think either you or me would have been able to predict him being a primary ball handler down the stretch for this tag team. And he's shown he can do that. I don't. I still have a little bit of doubts about him. He can be a little bit careless at times. But tonight, he was on point, man. And you have to respect that. But the three-point shooting, the shot in general, has just kind of been not falling for him throughout conference play, and especially as of late. But we'll see. I mean, certainly the playmaking gives him reason to be on the court. I like his ability to get to the right shots offensively. They're just not really dropping from as of now. Looking at the rest of the box score, um, not really many other bad nights from guys, just a lot of quiet nights. Clarence Ndolny will probably want a few of his offensive possessions back, made a couple of uh, passes that I think kept him on the bench more than he would have liked in the second half. But uh, Kevin O'Banner, three points in 20 minutes. Marcus Santos Silva, no points in 15 minutes. Uh, TJ played 17 minutes, finished with five uh, KJ Allen, as we mentioned, a, a decent night, especially on the glass, but just got carved up defensively. Buzo got a little bit of run, but uh, guess who had a four stocks tonight, man? Malik Wilson, and I can tell you we're going to be getting another Stat Search Friday sort of tweet from me because I guarantee you that block rate is going to be sky high after tonight. I mean, what he does as a guard on the defensive end is truly unheard of. And and he should have had four blocks in this game. The fact that he got called for a foul on, on that other one was just mind-blowing. But his instincts and his ability to get contact onto the ball and challenge shots without fouling is unbelievable. And all of that is without consideration to how good of a perimeter defender he is and just how active his hands are. Um, I think he forced a tie-up on one possession, got the ball on the floor on another where he could have been counted a steal. I mean, this guy, it's its becoming more and more difficult to justify him being on the floor for long stretches of time because he just has not found his rhythm offensively and he has not found a role where he can contribute uh, consistently offensively. But he's going to be getting minutes down the stretch due to his defense alone. I mean... I, I'm with you. You've said this take multiple times. If he was playing more minutes, he'd be all Big 12 defensive. Like, he he has got the skill, man. He is a good, good defender. I genuinely think that if you're looking at defenders across the Big 12, he might not be the best holistically. I think that it kind of depends on how you value on versus off ball. But he's the only guy that I think you could say is a legitimate huge positive both on and off the ball because on the ball he has really good instincts he's a good passive defender as well he's good at positioning and good at kind of avoiding letting guys get blow bys and then off the ball his instincts are just phenomenal I mean he's someone the ability to get shot blocks as a six foot three guard is incredible but beyond that like he can jump passing lanes he's good at avoiding getting back cut which is something that some of the guys on Tex roster have struggled with at times times this year and just in general I mean he is quite possibly the best defender I've seen on the perimeter at Texas Tech in the last five or six years. And that's with a lot of really good guys coming through. I mean, you want to mention Kevin McCuller, TJ Shannon, you can go to Matt Mooney, you can look at Zaire, Keenan Evans, 
Jared Culver, the list goes on. But, I mean, Malik Wilson, his ability on and off the ball is ridiculous. And I don't think it's a stretch to say you said all Big 12. I think he could be on the mix for Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year if it wasn't for the fact that he got like 15 minutes a night. It's a stout, stout list of Texas Tech defenders that have come through the program in the last couple of years, and yet it still doesn't feel like a stretch despite what we've seen from him. Emory, any closing thoughts from you on this game? I mean, there's a lot to work on. I think offensively you have got to fix the issues that have arisen in the second half of both TCU and Kansas Kansas State, and certainly getting better ball movement, avoiding kind of the post-ups, and certainly you want to see guys like TJ and Kevin McClure getting back healthy because I do think that's going to help out just diversifying the options you have on the perimeter. But overall, what a job by Mark Adams this season. I'll leave with a positive. Going 18-0 at home is no small feat. Still ended up with 16 double-digit wins. You beat teams like Baylor, beat teams like Kansas, beat teams like Texas at home. And at the end of the day, that's what matters. Ended up undefeated. You're going to be looking at a good seed in the tournament. Now, what they do with that depends on how we see some adjustments over the next couple of games, but it's a great time to be a Texas Tech basketball fan. Yeah, tremendous job by Mark Adams, obviously, from everything he's done this season, but especially protecting the home court. Huge, huge uh, congratulations and hat tip to Raider Riot for what they've built at Texas Tech, um, making all 18 of these games their Super Bowl. It has truly been so much fun to watch and uh very, very deserving, all those people, um, Shelby, even guys like Thomas, Dylan, that, that really built what, what that student section is. It, it's really cool to see, and I, I'm sure they're proud, and I hope that they are. Um, we will be back tomorrow. Um, Lord knows what we'll be talking about. Hopefully something a, a little bit more upbeat. I know a lot of people are going to be pretty grouchy about us um, being so negative in this episode, but uh, you can let us know on Twitter. Uh, you can at me at LBK. You can at Emery at Eraser41. You can even at the official Locked On Texas Tech Twitter page at Locked On TTU. If you subscribe to us on YouTube, you can go directly into our comments section and let you know what we think. Um, a lot of people think Emery should eat built bars live on the set. I think that's a great idea. So you never know what considerations we're going to see and take into account. That's why you've got to keep up with us while we are gone. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. Now be sure to make your second listen Locked On NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts just like us. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. We will see you tomorrow.